sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield is best for you. First cigarette with premium quality in both regular and king size. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A suspect has been apprehended. You have a positive identification from the victim. Your job, investigate. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of them all. The quality contrast between Chesterfield and other leading brands is a revealing story. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Yes, Chesterfield is first with premium quality in both regular and king size. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, June 3rd. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Didion. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office, and it was 7.46 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery. Joe? Yeah? You're early. Yeah. I got to run over to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. What's the matter? I don't know, Frank. I started to get headaches last night. I couldn't sleep. They're ringing in my ears. I don't know what it is. Now, hold on. Stay right there. What? Just got up my locker. I'll get it for you. What are you talking about? The headaches. Get worse when you move. What? When you move around, it gets worse, right? Yeah. Feels like your head's going to blow up? Yeah. Uh-huh. Glad you came to me. I know just what it is. Got stuff right up here. Someplace. Yeah, here it is. There you are, Joe. Take two. Fix you right up. What is it? Salt. Salt? Salt. That's your trouble. You don't get enough salt. Same thing happened to me last summer. Ever since then, I always keep a bottle of salt tablets right in my locker. Always ready. Take two. Fix you right up. Well, I don't know. You got a penny? What for, a cup? Now, wait a minute, Joe. We're not going to drink that water anymore. No? Just a minute. Bought a whole case of this for us. There you are, boy. Drink it right out of the bottle. What is it? Poland water, Joe. 100% pure. Right from the springs. Real water. Yeah? Yep. Read right there on the bottle, see? Not carbonated. Full of minerals and good things. Yeah, well, Frank, maybe I ought to wait and see the doctor, huh? Joe, believe me, I know what's wrong. It's happened to me. Same thing. Salt, that's what you need. Yeah. Well, there you are. Poland water and the pills. Fix you right up. There they are. Go ahead. Oh, look, I appreciate all this. Really, I do. But I think I ought to see the doctor, huh? Joe, 
Don't you trust me? Well, yeah. Take the pills. Salt. Salt. Take them. There now, that wasn't bad, was it? If the headaches don't go away, we can drop by Georgia Street and see the doc. Oh, you want to give me the bottle? i put the cap back on. Keep yeah. it fresh for us. Right. Anything in the box? Yeah, an arrest report. We're supposed to check the guy out. Anything on it? Held up a grocery store at the corner of 7th and Francis a week ago yesterday. When'd they pick him up? Last night. Victim saw him on the street and called a radio car, took him into custody, and then booked him. Well, let's go talk to him. I'll see what he's got to say. After we get through, we can drop by the hospital if he's still got the headaches. This shouldn't take too long. Well, sure, a guy's already confessed. <laughs> We ran the name of the suspect, Thomas Stanford, through R&I, but we found no previous criminal record for anyone of his description. 8.10 a.m., we drove over to the main jail. We went up to the second floor and signed in. Stanford was brought from his cell, and Frank and I took him to one of the interview rooms. We gave him a cigarette, and he started to talk. He was quiet and cooperative. Yeah, I did the robbery a week ago yesterday. I'd like to check some things out here on the arrest report. Sure, I want to get this over with. I did it like I told you, nothing special, just held up the store. Mm -hmm. Your full name is Thomas Arthur Stanford, is that right? Yeah, Thomas Arthur. My friends call me Tom. Uh -huh. Your home address is 1824 and a quarter South Mariposa Avenue? Yeah, I live with my father, 1824 and a quarter South Mariposa Avenue, L.A. 7. What's your father's name? Arthur. Same as my middle name. I was named after him. You employed? Not regular. What do you mean? Well, I don't have a regular job, like in a factory or a store. I'm a gardener. I work for different people. Can you give us a list of the people you work for? I'm sure, if you got to have them. It's just routine. Oh. Yeah, I'll give them to you. You want to tell us how you committed the robbery? Yeah, I'll tell you. Isn't much to tell, though. It's pretty simple. I went in and held the place up, took the money. That's about all there is to it. Were you armed when you went into that grocery store? Yeah. Yeah, I had a gun. What kind of a gun? 32 automatic. Had eight bullets in it. Where's the gun now? Threw it away. Where? In one of the ponds up in Ferndale. You mean up in Griffith Park? Yeah, just a little up the canyon there. You want to show us where it is? Sure. All right. If you start right at the beginning, tell us all about the robbery, what you did. Well, why do you have to know all that? I told you I did it. There's nothing more you have to know. We've got to have it for the record. It's just routine, like I told you. You guys do a lot of things. It's routine, don't you? Yeah, we do quite a bit. Was there anybody in the store when you went in? Just the woman that owned the place. I guess she owned it. The way she carried on, you'd have thought it was her own money I was taking. Well, I took out the gun, and I told her it was a stick-up. I said for her not to cause any trouble. What'd she say to that? Well, that's when she got hacked at me, started to yell. What'd you do? I guess she figured I meant what I said when I told her to shut up. Anyway, she quieted down, then I told her to get into the back room. They got this little room where they keep the empty Coke and the beer bottles. I told her to get in there. Did she? Yeah, she went into the room, and I locked the door from the outside. Then I went to the cash register and punched the no-sale button and took the money. After that, I left the store. You didn't have the money on you when they picked you up last night. Where is it? It's gone. I spent it. You spent it all? Yeah, every last nickel. I had myself a ball. You remember where you spent it? More around different places. I bought myself some clothes, spent some of it in clubs. Just went. None of it left. You drive a car, Stanford? Yeah. Isn't mine, though. It belongs to my father. It's a big Chrysler sedan. Did you drive that when you held up the grocery store? Yeah, I had it parked down the street on 7th. Mm -hmm. Remember the time when you went into the store? Yeah. It was just after 12. 12 noon. What were you doing in the neighborhood last night? You mean when they picked me up? That's right. Just looking around. You ever been arrested before? No, never been mixed up with the cops. You ever been to the hospital, mental institution? What do you ask a question like that for? Routine. Oh. Uh -uh. Well, when I was a kid, I had my tonsils out. I was in a hospital in a couple of days. I don't remember it too well. It was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. How old are you, Stanford? 28. 
All these questions you're asking me, I told the two cops that picked me up the same things. Why you got to ask them again? Can't you just send me the penitentiary and get it over with? Got to double-check the story, Stanford. I suppose so. Just seems that you're going to a lot of trouble you don't have to. I told you I did it. I'm not giving you any trouble, I confess. No. My father know about this yet? Yeah, he was called. He's going to be pretty sore about it. All right. Sure he doesn't know I used his car. a.m. We checked the suspect out of the main jail and took him over to the store that had been robbed. While Frank waited in the car, I went in and talked to the victim, a Mrs. Alice Kenwood. I told her that we'd bring the suspect into the store and ask him several questions about the robbery. During that time, I told her that we wanted her to observe the suspect so that she could give us a positive identification. I told her that it would be better if she didn't talk to him and that if she had any questions, she could ask them through us. She agreed and said that she would do anything she could to help us in the investigation. I went out to the car and... Frank and I brought the suspect into the store. Come on back here, Stanford. What are you bringing me here for? What are you trying to prove? I'd like to have you explain a few things for us. Well, I told you all I could. I told you I committed the robbery. Isn't that enough? Just a couple of things we'd like to have you clear up for us. Well, what things? I told you how I did it. Well, she'll tell you. That's the woman I held up. She'll tell you it was me. She should know. She's the one who turned me in. How about it, Miss Kenlon? He's the one, all right. I'd know many places. There, isn't that enough? What more do you want? I'd like to have you show us just how you came into the store, what you did while you were in here. You mean the whole thing? Yeah, from the time he came in through the door. All right. Take these handcuffs off and I'll show you. You can show us with them on. It's got to be that way. It's going to make it tougher. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I came in the door. I came in and she was standing behind that counter. You mean Miss Kenwood? Yeah, her. She was standing behind the counter. I walked over to her. I showed her the gun. Told her it was a stick-up. Told her I wanted the money. That's right. He pointed the gun at me and thought he was going to shoot. All right, go ahead, Stanley. Well, she started to yell, told me to get out of the store. Certainly I yelled at him. You think I want anybody coming in here and waving a gun around? Oh, if my husband was here, he'd show you, show you good. You see what I mean? I never saw a woman that could yell so much. Go ahead, Stanford. What'd you do then? Well, I told her if she didn't keep quiet, I'd have to shoot her, and then I told her to get in the room now, and back. Now, just hold on a minute. Not only a thief, but he's a liar, too. Ma'am? That's not what he did at all. What do you mean, Mrs. Kenwood? You didn't tell me to get into the back room. There ain't any back room. How about that, Stanford? You're going to listen to her. I'm the one that robbed the place. She didn't. I guess I know what I did. All right, let's take a look back here. Come on. What's behind this curtain here, Miss Kenwood? Just a little space where I keep my empty bottles. Goes right out onto the alley. There, see, that's where I put her. That's where I told her to stay. Mm-hmm. And you said you locked the door. There's no door there. I got confused. It doesn't make any difference. I told her to get back there and stay there until I was out of the store. That's a lie. You did no such thing. You told me to get down on the floor and cover my face. Then you went over to the cash register and you took the money. I didn't move. Didn't want to give you any trouble. The way you were waving that gun around, it's a wonder you didn't try to kill me. The way you're yakking that up, I should have done it. All right, that's enough. Frank? Yeah. You want to take Stanford out of the car? I'll be right with you. Yeah, okay. Come on, Stanford. Let's go. I don't know what you got to go through all this for. I told you I did, and I never saw anything like it before. You can't even confess around here. Nobody believes you. Miss Kenwood? Yes, officer. Are you sure that's the man that held you up here? I said it before. I'm positive. There isn't any doubt in my mind. Uh-huh. Now, you heard what he said, how he said he robbed you. Is that the way it happened? Well, everything was the same except where he said that he put me in back there. That wasn't true. He made me lie down on the floor right there, told me to stay still for five minutes, not to move. Said that if I caused any trouble, he'd come back and shoot me. Mm-hmm. I think he's crazy. Anybody would wave a gun around like that. It's terrible. I wish my husband was here. He'd show that snip. 
He's in the army, you know, my husband. Yes, ma'am. Awful thing, him overseas getting shot at and young punks like that roaming around the streets with guns, threatening people. It's a terrible thing. Now, this is pretty important, ma'am. I want to ask you once more. You're sure that's the man who held you up? How many times do I have to say it? I told you that it is. He admits it himself. What more do you need? Well, I don't know, ma'am. There's just something here that isn't right about the whole thing. Doesn't make any difference. He's the man. There's no mistake about that. Oh, you just let me know when you want me in court. I'll be there. I want to see him get what's coming to him, every bit of it. Yes, ma'am, so do we, if he's the right man. Twelve twenty-two p.m., we drove the suspect back to the city hall for further questioning. Frank took him to the interrogation room, and I checked into the squad room. Pardon me? Yes, sir? Sergeant Friday? Yes, sir. Something I can do for you? I'm Arthur Stanford, Tom's father. Oh, yes, sir. I understand my son is here, is that right? Yes, sir, he's here. Wonder if I could see him, talk to him? Yes, sir, I think that can be arranged. Has he told you why he did it? Has he? Well, he's given us some reasons, sir. None of them are very good. I can't understand it. Just isn't any reason for him to do a thing like this. No reason at all that I can see. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, Mr. Friday. I left the house this morning, and all the people in the neighborhood knew about it. They all knew. I walked down the street, and they turned away from me. I could see them watch me through the windows of their houses. I could tell what they were thinking. My son's a thief. Common thief. And in my heart, I know it's true. I don't know what to do about it, Mr. Friday. Can you tell me? No, sir, I'm afraid I can't. Well, maybe he can. May I see him? Yes, sir, he's across the hall. This way. Right over here, sir. I uh, wonder if I could have a cigarette? Yes, sir. Here you are. Here's a match. Thank you. I'm not sure what I'm going to say to him when I see him. Wish I had some time to think. Well, you don't have to go in now if you don't want to, sir. Oh, it wouldn't help any to put it off. Won't get any easier with time. I might as well get it over with. All right, sir. Hi, Pop. Why'd you do it, son? Well, I did it because I wanted to. I wanted the money. I don't know any other reason you robbed somebody. I wanted the money, so I did it. You could have come to me. I'd have tried to get the money for you. You know I'd have tried. Where'd you get it? Where'd you get that kind of money? All your life, you've been grubbing for pennies. I don't want small money. I want to be rich. I will be, too. All right, take it easy, Stanford. All right, Mr. Friday, I understand. All my life, you've been saying you understand. I'm getting sick of it. As long as I can remember, you've been telling me to get out and do something on my own. Well, I finally did it. Now you aren't happy with it. You expect me to throw my head up in the air because you're a thief? Oh, knock it off. I'm tired of you giving me lectures all the time. Yakety yak. Never stop. That's enough of that, don't you think, Stanford? Well, you keep out of this, cop. This is a family matter. It doesn't concern you. This is between my father and me. Well, tell me why. That's all I want. Why? Tell me so I can face the neighbors, so I can tell them you had a reason. Tell them your son's a bum. Well, they know that already, but that's not a reason to steal. It's good enough for me. They're not going to listen to you anyway. They already made up their minds about me. They did that a long time ago. Come on, Stanford. Let's go back to jail. Sure. Anything else here to do? He never understood. He never did. Let's go. Yeah, one thing I'd like to ask first. What's that? You're going to jail for a long time. I have to live while you're gone. It's your worry. Well, it always has been. I want to know what you did with the garden tools. I'll have to have them to get along. I don't know. I left him someplace. You remember where? Think. I need those tools. I'm not sure. Maybe at Mrs. Howard's. Maybe that's where I left. Over on 12th? Yeah, I did her place last Wednesday. I guess I forgot to pick the stuff up when I left. It must still be there. And I'll go over and get them. Wait a minute. What do you want? He said he did some gardening for this Mrs. Howard last Wednesday. That would be a week ago yesterday, is that right? That's what I said. You remember what time you were there? Most of the day. I got there about 10 in the morning. Left about 4 in the afternoon. I was in a hurry to get away. That's why I forgot the tools, I guess. You leave the place at all during the day? Not till I finished. 
What are you trying to prove with all these questions? It's about the robbery, Stanford. Yeah? If you were at this Howard woman's house, how could you held up the grocery store? Don't make no difference how I did it. I don't have to explain it to you. No, you're wrong about that, Stanford. Is that right? Too many things here don't add up the way you confessed. The difference in your story about the robbery. Now, this thing about you being at the Howard house. I don't know why you're lying about this, Stanford. Yeah. But we're going to find out. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Chesterfield is best for you. Listen to Chesterfield's record. For a full year and two months, a doctor has been making regular examinations of a group of Chesterfield smokers, and he reports no adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfields. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality in both regular and king size. Chesterfield. First choice with Young America. And that's from a survey of 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Remember, Chesterfield is America's best cigarette buy. We continued to talk to the suspect, Thomas Stanford, for another hour. He refused to say anything about the conflicting aspects of his story. His father pleaded with him to tell us the truth, but other than admitting he was responsible for the grocery store robbery, he'd say nothing. We got the address of the house where Stanford had said he'd left the gardening tools. 3.15 p.m. After taking the suspect back to the main jail, Frank and I drove out to talk to the Howard woman. Place sure looks nice. Well kept. Yeah. Look at those carnations, Joe. Ever seen anything so pretty? Yeah, they're very nice. You know, Faye tries them all the time. Never seems to have any luck with them, though. Plants come up all right, but the flowers just don't seem to get very big. Mm-hmm. About size of half a buck. Little bitty things. Yeah. Sure smell good, though. I get the bell. Yes? Miss Howard? That's right. Is there something you want? Police officers, ma'am. We'd like to talk to you. Policeman? What do you want to see me for? Well, it's about a man who did some work for you, Thomas Stanford. Oh, yes, come in, won't you? Thank you very much. My name's Friday, Mrs. Howard. This is my partner, Frank Smith. Oh, well, how do you do? How do you do, ma'am? Just sit down there. I'm having a late lunch. Can I get you anything? No, thank no, you. No, thank you, ma'am. Sure you wouldn't have a glass of iced tea or something like that? No, thanks, Mrs. Howard. How about this man, Stanford? Oh, yes, Tom, he's a good gardener. Does a beautiful job on the place. You should take a walk around the grounds. He keeps it just beautifully. Yes, ma'am. Could you tell us when he was here last? Oh, well, I'd have to think about that. Let's see. Well, I think it was a week ago yesterday. Yes, that's right. Last Wednesday. He comes once a week. He should have been here yesterday. Called his house when he didn't show up. No answer. Probably forgot. He's very forgetful, you know. Is that right? Oh, yes. But take the last time he was here. He walked off and forgot all of his tools. Lawnmower, clippers, everything. Had to take it back to the garage. Just left it on the lawn right out in front of the place. Mm-hmm. You ever had any trouble with him? What do you mean by trouble? Well, any arguments, disagreements? Well, on a couple of occasions, we've had words about what flowers to put in. He's wanted to plant one thing. I've wanted something else. They've never been serious, though. Yes, ma'am. I suppose I shouldn't say this. What's that, Miss Hart? Well, frankly, I've never thought that Tom was real bright. He seems sort of backwards. How do you mean, backward? Well... When it came to thinking out something for himself, he just couldn't handle it. If you told him to do a thing a certain way, he'd do it. Never vary from the way you told him. Mm -hmm. 
We'd ask him to figure something out, and he was dead. Seemed like the motor was turning over all right, but he just couldn't get the clutch out. Gears just wouldn't work. Yes, ma'am. That's why I say I don't think he's very bright. He just can't seem to think for himself. No initiative. Do you remember what time he was here on Wednesday? Well, now, let's see. He got here about 10 in the morning. It was right after that radio show about the friends. I'd just finished listening to that when he got here. That goes off the air at 10. Uh, have you ever heard it? No, ma'am. Oh, you should listen sometime. These people tell why they need a friend to help them out of trouble. Well, I listen to it every morning. Makes me feel pretty lucky, those poor people. I sure appreciate what I've got when I hear what they have to say. Uh-huh. Was Stanford here all day, ma'am? Yes, all day. He didn't leave until, um, let's see. Well, I guess it was about 5, someplace around in there. Uh, it seems to me it was just before the 5 o'clock news, just before that, when he left. Mm -hmm. You say he got here at 10, and then he left just before 5 o'clock, is that right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Any chance that he might have been away without you knowing it? No, no, I'd have known it if he had. He was out in the backyard most of the morning, and then he took care of the front later in the day. Well, what's he do about lunch, Miss Howard? Well, what do you mean? Well, does he bring his lunch with him? Once in a while he does, yes. Well, he didn't on Wednesday, though, I'm sure about that. Well, how do you mean, Mrs. Howard? Well, along about lunchtime was uh, right after the uh, noon news, I made up a little plate for him. A couple of sandwiches, potato chips, and some pickles, little tiny sweet gherkins. I made it up, and I took it out to him. Yes, ma'am. I took this nice plate out to him, and where do you suppose I found him? Where? Out behind the garage, sitting next to the compost box. What do you suppose he was doing? What, ma'am? Reading a comic book. All about cops and robbers. Uh, one of those with a picture on the cover of the crooks trying to shoot their way out of the bank. Mm hmm I told him that he'd better get on the ball, let the clutch out, and get to work. I told him that I wanted the yard finished up by five and that I didn't want any funny business about it. What did he say to that? Well, he just looked at me for a long time, and then he said, Okay, warden. Just like that. Okay, warden. But he got to work right away, and he finished up on time. You see, my son and daughter-in-law were coming over. It was his birthday, and we'd <laughs> planned a little party... I wanted the place to be nice for them. Yes, ma'am, we understand. Is it possible that Stanford could have gotten away from the yard at all between 10 and 5? No. No, I'm sure of that. He was here all the time. All right, ma'am. Thank you very much. What's this all about? Is Tom in some sort of trouble? No, it's just a routine investigation, Miss Howard. I'm going to give you our card in case you think of anything else. Here you are. Oh, uh, thank you. Michigan 5211, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Ask for robbery division. That's extension 2511. It's right on the card. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Poor Tom, all this trouble. It's too bad. Yes, ma'am. I just wish this was New York. Beg your pardon? Well, if this was New York, everything would be all right. How's that? That program about the friends? Yes, ma'am. Tom could sure use one. We left Mrs. Howard's home and talked to some of the people in the neighborhood. They told us that the Howards were respected people in the community, and some of them verified the fact that Stanford had worked for almost two years. The man who lived directly across the street from the Howard house said that he'd talked with Stanford on the afternoon of the robbery. He said that he'd asked the suspect about the seeds that he used to raise the carnations that were planted along the front of the house. He went on to say that he'd been working in the front yard of his own house all afternoon and that he'd seen the suspect throughout that time. We drove back to the grocery store and talked with the victim, Mrs. Kenwood. Under questioning, she admitted that she could have made a mistake about the identification, but she said that if she was wrong, the thief could act as a double for Tom Stanford. 10.30 p.m., we drove back to the main jail and picked up the suspect. We took him back to the city hall and talked to him in the interrogation room. He was sullen and refused to answer our questions. Stanford? Yeah? I'd like to have you tell us the truth this time. I told you it isn't my fault if 
you don't believe me, it isn't my fault. Now, look, Stanford, we talked with this Mrs. Howard. She told us that you were working for her all day a week ago Wednesday. So what's that prove? Well, you admit it's true then, huh? Sure, it's true. I was working for her. Then how could you have gotten to the grocery store and held it up? Stanford? I did it. I haven't got anything more to say. I did the robbery. Smith, you get tonight's papers? Yeah, I picked them up earlier. Anything in them about me? I didn't see anything. There must have been something, some story about me with my name. Well, if there was, I didn't see it. Well, maybe it didn't look good. Maybe. There's got to be something, a picture or something. No. Well, let me look. Where'd you leave the papers, Frank? It's quite a room. Would you get them and let me look? Sure. Pretty important to you that you're in the papers, isn't it? I just want to see him, that's all. Well, he'll bring him back. You must have made a mistake. There's something about me. There's got to be. It isn't every day there's a robbery like this. The papers would write it up big, wouldn't they? I don't know. I'm sure they would. There was a story when the place was robbed, told all about how it was done. It was just a little story, but now they've got me. It seems you should have a picture. Here it is. Let me see. Nothing on the first page. Robbery happened a week ago. It's old news. Yeah, but you just caught me last night. Hmm. Nothing. Not one lousy word. Nothing at all. That makes a difference, doesn't it? Sure it does. Sure. If there isn't anything in the papers, how are people going to know I did it? How are they going to know? They won't. But they got it. They got it. Don't you see that? If they don't know that I did the robbery, there ain't no reason for it. No reason at all. What do you mean, Stafford? Well, there won't be no pictures, no nothing. People still think I'm nobody. No one's going to know that I did do something. No one will know. Well, the way it looks to us, you didn't do it. There should be a story about it, about how I confessed. Maybe not a picture, but at least a story, something. You didn't do it, did you? Stanford? Come on, you didn't hold up that story, did you? No. No, I didn't, I... Thought I could get away with it. I thought that if I confessed, you'd put me in jail and people would look at me different. And they wouldn't laugh at me anymore because I'd done something. Mm-hmm. Poor dumb Tom. That's what they say, poor dumb Tom. Just once I wanted to show him, show him that I could do something. You ready to go? Back to the jail? That's right. You think we could stop on the way over and like to... Pick up something. Yeah, what's that? Other papers. Might be something in them. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 4th, a meeting was held in the district attorney's office, city and county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that meeting. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. I'd like to talk to you people who don't smoke Chesterfields. I'm convinced that if you try just one carton, you'll find they're best for you. They're milder, they have a wonderful taste, and most important, they have premium quality in both sizes, regular or king size. So pick up that carton, will you? Chesterfields. Try them. A 5.10 report was filed on Thomas Arthur Stanford, and he was released from custody. Ten months later, on May 22nd, James R. Rogers was apprehended while attempting to hold up a liquor store at the corner of 3rd and Temple Streets. 
While being interrogated, he confessed to committing the robbery that Stanford had been accused of. The physical appearance of the two men was almost identical. Rogers was tried and convicted of robbery in the first degree and received sentence as prescribed by law. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Frazier. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfields. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfields much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Now, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for natural filtering. Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. So remember, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima, see how smooth they are. Remember, Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield. Tonight, it's Adventure with Barry Craig on NBC. Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A man has been shot and critically wounded. There's no trace of the suspect. Your job, find him. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers, and important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months as a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield, regular or king size. They're much milder and best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. 
From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Sunday, April 26th. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. I was on my way back to the office, and it was 11.44 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Frank. Hi. Anybody call? Yeah, Lopey call. Wants to know if he left his overshoes. No, I didn't see him. It's quit raining anyway. What are you doing there? Just a minute, John. What's the scale for? The needle's bent a little. Now, what are you doing? Here, weighing my stuff. You're what? Weighing my stuff. Oh, yeah. I guess everybody ought to know what his stuff weighs, huh? Yeah. Let's see. I'm a gun. Better take the bullets out first. What are you doing that for? Weigh them separate, Joe. Keep track. Yeah, that's right. Now, the bullets. Uh-huh. Handcuffs. Frank, did anybody ever ask you about all this? And my bullet clip. Look, I'm a member of the club here, too. What's this all about? Pencils. Four? Yeah, press kind of hard. Yeah. Other stuff in my wallet. Change. Keys. Boy, no wonder my feet kill me. What? Six pounds, two and a half ounces. That's what I carry, Joe. Working night's got a flashlight, too. That's good for another pound. You figure that's what makes your feet hurt, huh? Sure. Uh-huh, yeah. Six pounds, two ounces. How much do you weigh, Frank? Any calls? Come on, how much? Joe, I get that all day from Faye. Never thought I'd get it from you. Yeah, it's a hot shot. I'll get it. What do you got? Shooting on East Berendo. 11.45 p.m. We swung out of the City Hall garage and headed south on Main Street. The streets were still wet after the rain. Code three, red light and siren. And even with that, driving a fast car is no picnic. You can be wrong at every corner. Big buildings to block off the sound of your siren. Cars to shield the red light from oncoming motorists. It's no fun. There'd been a shooting and we had to get there. As Frank and I swung around the last streetcar on Main Street and picked up Berendo, we heard the police radio operator dispatching ambulance G13 to the address we were headed for. We didn't know what direction the ambulance so for the next few blocks, we drove with added caution, knowing that our siren would keep us from hearing theirs. Five blocks ahead through the mist, we could see the red lights of a police car parked at the curb. A radio car in the area had gotten the call and answered it immediately. It was 11.52 p.m. when we pulled up in front of 1981 East Berendo. The large house was dark. Two neighborhood women stood in the driveway and directed us to the back of the house where we found the officers from Unit 1A6. We checked with them and got the information that they'd come up with. They suggested that they canvass the immediate area for any information on the assailant. Frank and I went in through the back door of the house. The victim lay on the floor. He was unconscious and bleeding profusely. His head was held in the lap of another man. Are you the doctor? No, sir. We're police officers. The ambulance is on the way here. If I could just stop the bleeding, it's his chest. Do you know who did this? No. Has he been conscious at all since you've been here? Just for a second. Did he say anything? Well, I heard the shot and came right over. He was laying here on the floor right here. Poor guy. Yes, sir. Did he say anything? Help me. That's all he said. Help me. I didn't know what to do. I got this towel from the sink and tried to stop the bleeding. This and my handkerchief, that's all I had. Can't do much, but I had to try. I had to keep pressing. That's all I could think of. Keep pressing. Try to stop it. Yes, sir. Do you feel all right, sir? Oh, yes, yes, I'm all right. Got to help him. Here, let me get in there and take care of that. All right, come on, sir. I get under. Okay, you got it, Joe. All right. Yes, come on, sir. Get up. That's all right. You'll handle this. The excitement. I can't seem to get my breath. Something we can get for you? Oh, I'll be all right. I think I'll get a drink of water. 
I'd rather you wouldn't touch that glass, sir. Huh? Oh, yeah, fingerprints. Well, I can wait. Oh, say, I did touch that towel. Hope it didn't hurt anything. Didn't mean to. No, sir, I don't think so. What's your name? Paul West. I live right next door, right across the driveway, Gray House. Uh-huh. Wonder if you could tell us what happened. Sure, I want to help all I can. I live right next door, and I was the first one here. Anything I can do, I want to help. Yes, sir. I've known Charlie for, oh, I guess it's maybe 40 years. Long time. Charlie, that's the man's name here? Yes, Charles Stahl. How you doing, Frank? That's pretty bad. I don't know. Would you tell us what happened here? Well, it was right after Charlie left my place. That's when I heard the noise. What noise, West? I was out on my porch putting out the cans, getting the boxer ready when I heard the noise. First off, I thought Charlie was doing the same thing, getting the cans ready. Well, what kind of a noise? Well, like he dropped the box. I know now that wasn't it. Uh, Charles, just a minute, boys. I think he's coming around. Is he coming too? You gonna say anything? Who shot him? All right, just a minute. What's his name again? Stahl. Mr. Stahl. Mr. Stahl. Maybe you talk to me. He knows me. We're friends. Let me talk no, to wait, him. No, wait right there, will you, Wes? I just wanted to help. All right, stay right there. Now, Mr. Stahl, we want to help you. Can you tell us who shot you? Hey, what you saying? Is he giving you the All right, name? Hold it, Wes. Just a minute. How about it, Frank? He's dead. Did he say anything? Yeah. Not much help. Huh? Ask me not to shoot him again. It was a couple of minutes before midnight when Charles Stahl died in Frank's arms. According to the next-door neighbor, Paul West, the victim was 55 years old. He was not married, and he lived in the big house on Barendo by himself. The ambulance crew returned to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital after making out a DOA report, and the coroner's office was asked to pick up the body. Twelve minutes later, coroner's deputies Maxwell and Martinez arrived. Before the murdered man's body was removed, the crew from the crime lab photographed the scene and Frank and I signed the property receipt for the money and the personal effects found on the body. We asked the crime lab to check a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver found on the floor under the kitchen stove. There was one empty cartridge in the cylinder. We put in a call to gun records, but we found nothing on the gun. A call to R&I on the victim of the shooting turned up nothing. Latent fingerprints found nothing on the murder weapon. The crime lab crew found no footprints in the ground near the house, but they did find several marks of tire tracks and one good impression left in the moist dirt in the alley behind the house. A plaster cast was made of the imprint, and it was returned to the office to be booked as evidence. We checked with the officers in Unit 1A6, but they said that in canvassing the neighborhood, they'd been unable to come up with any new leads. 12.21 a.m., we checked back into the house, and we talked to the neighbor, Paul West. What kind of a job did Stahl have? Owned a print shop, Stahl Press, over on the east side. Was he in business by himself? What do you mean? Well, did he have any partners? No, Charlie owned it right out. Had the pink slip, you might say. Mm -hmm. Can you give us the address? Sure, biggest print shop on the east side. Printed just about everything. Posters, display cards, things like that. He gave me some cards last Christmas. Here, take a look. That's my name, embossed. Yes, sir. Did it himself. Mm -hmm. That's very nice, sir. Uh, Can I have that back, please? Oh, sure, here you are. Embossed. Anybody in the shop with him? Any employees? Well, there's the Becker kids, Pete and Alvin. They work in the shop, do they? Yeah, I've been with him. I guess it's been about five years. How's he get along with them, would you know? Fine. I never heard about any trouble. I've been kind of friends with the family. Charlie was pretty fond of them. Did he have any personal enemies, maybe because of the business? No, not that I know of. Uh-huh. How long did you say you've known Stahl? Been about 40 years. We grew up together. I see. His father and mine built these houses at the same time. Charlie and I went to school together. Belonged to the same club. We were soldiers together. Served in the 146th Field Artillery in the war. Was that the last war, sir? Oh, no, the big one. First World War. Oh, I see. Came back and we lived right here, side to side, all this time. We've been friends, Charlie and me. Good friends. You've got to catch the person that did this. You've got to get them. 
You said earlier that Stahl had been over to your house tonight. Yes, that's right. Did he have any special reason for the visit? Well, he didn't need a reason. Charlie was always welcome. Always. Well, yes, sir, we understand. Of course, tonight's Sunday. We had a game. Sir? Bridge. Always play bridge on Sunday night. Never miss. Well, what time did he get to your house? Same time as always, right after supper. What time's that, sir? Right after 7.30. We were just finishing supper when he came in. Charlie sat down, had dessert and coffee with us. Mm -hmm. Rice pudding with raisins. Charlie had two dishes. Then we started to play bridge. Oh, I see. Now, who else was there? You mean the game? Yeah. Oh, just Rose and Paula. Rose, my wife, and Paula's my daughter. Anything unusual happened tonight? Uh, just once. Yeah, what was that? Well, a bit of grand slam in spades and made it. Even with Rose, seven spades. Well, that's not exactly what we mean, Wes. Uh, pretty unusual. Yes, sir, but did anything happen with Stahl? Sure. He almost hit the ceiling when we made it. Got pretty mad, did he? Sure. Since we've been playing, most he ever did was make a little slam. Mm -hmm. He went right home after that. I guess that's when he went out to empty the cans. Anyway, that's when I heard the noise. That was the shot, sir. It must have been. I didn't know it at the time, but I guess that's what it was. What'd you do after you heard the shot? Well, now, at the time, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe Charlie had fallen and hurt himself. Mm -hmm. I looked over at his place, but there wasn't any lights on. I went out the curb with a box of cans. Came back, and I didn't see Charlie, so I walked over. I see. I called to him, asked if he was all right. Didn't get no answer, so I came in. Found him right on the floor, where he was when you came in. You're the one who put in the call, is that right? Yeah, I called the operator and told her to get an ambulance right over that Charlie had been shot. Told her to send a policeman. Now, what time was it when Stahl left your house? Do you oh, remember? it must have been about 11.15 or so. Earlier than usual, we always play almost at midnight. I guess Charlie got miffed about the grand slam I made, and then Paula kidded him about the woman. What woman is that? Oh, it wasn't anything. I went out and looked. Nobody there. Sir? A couple of times, Charlie thought he heard a woman coughing outside the window by his house. I went over to the window, looked out there, but there wasn't anybody there. Well, did you hear this coughing? No, not really. After Charlie started talking about it, I thought I did, but... When I went out to look, there wasn't anybody there. His imagination, that's all. He was mad because of the slam. Well, did you hear anything at all when you were out and back? Huh? Well, when you went into Stahl's house, did you hear anybody around? A car, maybe? Something like that? No, not a soul. Now, well, Wes, could somebody have gone out the front of the house when you came in the back? Wouldn't seem it could be. I'd have heard him if they did. Well, then you'd say that whoever shot Stahl wasn't in the house when you went in, is that it? Pretty sure about that. Of course, they might have left before I went in. Sir? Well, I'd already took the box out the front after I heard the noise... If there's anybody in the house, they could have gotten out then. But you didn't see anybody, did you? No, nobody at all. Do you know if Stahl has any relatives in Los Angeles? No. He hasn't, huh? Hasn't got any any place, none at all. Always kind of worried him. Well, why is that? Well, he used to say he didn't have any folks to leave his things to. The house, print shop. Mm -hmm. He made a will, though. All legal with a seal and all. Official. He used to talk to me about it. I see. You know who the beneficiary was, will you? Not now. What? Well, I knew who it was, but he said he was going to change it. Said he was going to put a new name on. Well, did he say whose? Nope. Just said I'd be surprised. We looked through the victim's desk for the will. In one of the bottom drawers, we found a locked tin box. In a box of paper clips, we found a key that fit. In the top liner of the box, there was a Purple Heart ribbon and an American victory medal from the First World War. In the bottom of the box, there were several government bonds and the will. In it, he left the house and the rest of his possessions to a Mrs. Margaret Becker. The print shop and the business he left to Mrs. Becker's sons, Peter and Alvin. The will was dated three years previously. On a separate piece of paper, we found an address for a Mrs. Margaret Becker, the Lone Star Motel on Sepulveda Boulevard. 12.40 a.m., we affixed the public administrator's seal, which the coroner's deputy had left with us, to the door of the victim's house. We talked with the wife and daughter of the neighbor, Paul West. They confirmed the story he'd given us. 
On the way to talk to the Becker woman, we stopped and called the office. They checked the name through R&I, but they came up with no identification. We called Sergeant Jay Allen at the crime lab, and he told us that the tire marks found in the rear of the victim's house were made by three BF Goodrich tires and one truck tire. He said that the cast they'd made was of the truck tire, as it was the only one they could lift, and that it was made by the left front wheel. There was a car parked in front of the manager's cottage. The registration listed Margaret Becker as the owner. Legal the same. We checked it. Motor's cold. Yeah. Tires don't match. Well, nice try. Yeah. Let's go. I get it. Late. Yeah. One fifteen. Hmm. Probably asleep. What's the matter? Can't you read? Sign says no vacancy. That means full up. N-O, that means no. Waking somebody at this hour? Yes, ma'am. And don't We're... ask me if I know someplace where you can stay because I don't. Good night. Just a minute, Miss Becker. How do you know my name? Police officers. Well, what do you want around here? I run a clean place, no trouble, license all paid up, nothing wrong. We'd like to... What about? You know a man named Charles Stahl? What are you asking that for? We'd like to know. And I want to know why you're asking. What's this all about? Anything wrong with Charlie? That why you're out here? Yes, ma'am. What's wrong? Well, it's pretty serious. Well, go ahead. You can tell me. Well, he's dead, Miss Becker. Come in. Thank you. What's the matter, Margaret? Who are these fellas? Who are you? What are you doing here? They're policemen. Well, we don't need you. We got the whole thing cleaned up. We took care of it ourselves. Nobody sent for you. We took care of him. No, Daddy. They're here about Charles. Charlie stole? Yes, sir. That's right. Charlie here? Well, where is he? He's not here, Daddy. Something's happened to him. What? He's dead. Dead? Charlie? Yes. Well, how did it happen? An accident? No, sir. Oh, poor Charlie Stahl. He's a nice boy. Too bad. I thought you was here about the fellow number eight, the loud one. What's that, sir? man from Texas came in tonight pretty drunk. We had to take him in. Daddy put him to bed. He was pretty drunk. Heavy, too. That's what he thought you were out here for. Couldn't even get out of his car. Margaret had the pocket for him. Loud, you know, real drunk. Wore his pants inside his boots. What was it you wanted to see me about? There's a few questions we'd like to ask you. About Charles? Yes, ma'am. When was the last time you saw him? Must have been a couple of weeks ago. I saw him last week, uh, April 22nd. Went fishing down at the pier. Miss Becker, what was your relationship with Stahl? Good friends, that's all. We knew each other almost all our lives. I used to live next door to him. Went through school together. I always thought they were going to get married. Charlie was a good boy. You see much of him lately? Mm, no, not too much. I've been busy here with Daddy, and Charlie's had other things to do. Moved next door to him on December 14th. Exactly 42 years ago, come winter. You know if he had any enemies, ma'am? No, can't think of anyone who didn't like Charlie. Didn't catch anything at the pier. Bad bait. You've been home all evening, have you? Yeah. Why'd you ask that? Well, it's just routine. You think I had something to do with it, that it? No, ma'am, we don't. Pinheads, that's what you need. I beg your pardon, sir? Pinhead anchovies, that's what you need for pier fishing. You yeah. say it's routine, but I don't like you coming in here, waking us up with all these questions. We've had a bad night, that drunk coming in here. We've been on the go ever since then. A few years ago, we used to be able to get a lot of pinheads. Not anymore. You want to make any accusations, you talk to Paul West. You just talk to him. Try your routine questions there. Paul West? Yeah, Charlie's neighbor. He's never liked Charlie, never. Anyone hurt Charlie, it was Paul. Why do you say that, Mrs. Becker? Years ago, Charlie was sweet on Paul's sister. On the way back from the beach one night, there was an accident, and Paul's sister was killed. Never forgave Charlie. Always held him to blame. Well, why was that, Miss Becker? Charlie was driving. Paul hated Charles for it. Now the thing with the daughter. Paul didn't like that either. Somebody did something to Charlie. You routine the man next door. You talk to Paul West. Now get out of here. I want to get some sleep. If you got any more questions, you come back in the morning and I'll talk to you then. You get out of here now. Yes, ma'am. But what did you mean, the thing with her, West's daughter? All right. I'll tell you that when 
You've got to get out of here. Yes, ma'am. A couple of months ago, Paula came home, divorced her husband and moved home. Right away, Charlie got sweet on her. Paul didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Did you ever say anything to stall about it? You bet he did. They had a lot of arguments, a lot of them. You talk to Paul West. He's the one you've got to talk to. Now, good night. We'll be back in the morning, ma'am. I'll be here. Don't worry. I'll talk to you then. I'm going fishing tomorrow. They're getting pinheads now. There's a new one, huh? West daughter. Yeah. Better check it out. Hold it a minute. Huh? Let's take a look back at the carport here. There it is. A Texas license plate. Yeah. I'll check the motor. How about it? Radiator's warm. How about the wheels? Three Goodrich tires and a truck tire. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today, regular or king size. The information we'd gotten from the crime lab gave us the make of the tires that had left the imprints in back of the victim's house. Three of the tires had been identified as being of Goodrich make. The fourth was a truck tire. The car we'd found in the carport of cabin number eight had tires that matched the description. 1.26 a.m., we went back to talk to Margaret Becker. I'd like to know just what this is all about, why you're snooping around asking questions. Now, why don't you come right on out with it? Come on, you think I had something to do with Charlie being dead, isn't that it? No, ma'am, we told you before, this is just a routine investigation. We're trying to get the facts here. You still haven't told us about Charlie. Was he killed? Yes, ma'am. You think I did it? We didn't say that. Not in so many words you didn't, but that's what you meant. You found the will. That's what made you think it was you, isn't that it? You knew about the will, didn't you? Certainly I knew about it. Charles told me when he had it drawn up. Said he didn't have anybody else who wanted to see that me and the boys were taken care of. Too bad about Charlie Stall. He's a good boy. He's going to take care of Margaret. He ever say anything to you about changing the will? Yes. Told me about it the last time I saw him. Had lunch together, and he told me then. Tell you what changes he was going to make? No, not right out. Didn't have to. I knew. I could tell. The way he's been acting lately, I could tell. So could I. Well, what do you mean, the way he's been acting? Was there anything wrong? Well, this thing with Paula. Told you about that. Charlie's been acting like a fool, falling all over her, gushing sweet talk. Silly. Mm-hmm. Well, she had him in a trance. Her just 25 and him 55. Talk about spring and winter. Well, that was them. How'd Paula feel about this? How'd you expect her to feel? She thought that Charlie'd leave her the money, house, everything. She went right along with it, real brazen. Sir? Yeah? You said earlier that you thought your daughter and Mr. Stahl might get married. Is that right? You better did. They always been in love. Daddy, that's not true. Well, it is too. I'm your father. Now, you, you show a little respect. After that no-good Becca walked out on Maggie, she and Charlie started to see each other again. 
went real nice. Then Paula come into town, and Charlie Stahl took up with her. Mm-hmm. Charlie Stahl made out his will so that everything went to market and the kids. Then he decided he'd change it. You knew about the will, too? Huh? Sure, I was a friend of Charlie's. We used to go fishing all the time, talk about things. I told him that he was wrong to even think of changing his will. Uh, I told him that he was wrong. What time did you say that car from Texas got in, ma'am? I told you, about 10.15. Well, ma'am, is it possible that somebody could have taken the car out without you knowing about it? Hey, wait a minute, Margaret. That ain't right. What? It wasn't that late. It was only about 8 when he come in. I remember because I was in bed at 8.30. I put him to bed and then come back and went to bed myself. I wanted to get some sleep kind of going fishing in the morning. You're pretty sure about the time, are you? Well, you bet. I remember because I got in bed and turned on the radio. Listen to that uh, radio program about the detective. Fell asleep before the end. Never did find out who stole the jewels and did the murder. What was your daughter doing when you came back? Just sitting there. She went out to put the car away, and I went to bed. Mm-hmm. How long was she outside? I don't know. A few minutes, I guess. Can you tell us a little closer than that? Not very well. I told you I went to sleep. I didn't hear her come in. Miss Becker, I wonder if you'd get dressed, please. We'd like to talk to you downtown. What for? Well, we have a report from our crime lab. They found some tire tracks in back of Stahl's house tonight. They were fresh tracks. They'd been made since it stopped raining. Those tracks match the car you got parked back there. And you think I drove the car over to Charlie's? Well, we'd like to talk about it. Why? Why'd I do a thing like that? Why'd I want to kill Charlie? Maybe because he was going to cut you out of his will. Looks like a pretty good motive. Oh, you two are out of your minds. All right, ma'am. We'll lay it out for you. You better do that. Make an accusation you can't back up. The way the evidence looks, we got a pretty good case here. The way it looks, you took the car and you drove it over to Stalls. He was next door playing cards, so you waited in the kitchen for him to come back. A couple of times, you coughed while you were waiting. He heard you. He came over to the window to see who it was. Because it was dark, he couldn't see you. I haven't heard a story like that since I stopped reading fairy tales. You came home and you killed him. Then you heard Mr. West next door. He came over to see what it was. You went out the back way to the car that you'd parked in the alley. And you drove it back here. That's the way it looks to you, is it? Yes, ma'am, that's the way it looks. You figure she killed Charlie Stoll? Yes, sir. You're going to arrest Margaret? We want to talk to her about it. Oh, going to take her down to jail, huh? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm, well, I'll go and put my clothes on. No, that isn't necessary for you to go with her, sir. Well, she's not going. What? I killed Charlie Stoll. Daddy. You killed him? Yep. Got tired of how I was treating Mark. Got good and tired of him talking about how he was going to change the will. I couldn't let him do that. I just killed him and drove the car over and did it. What time was all this? Huh? Well, what time did you go over to Stalls? Right after the fellow from Texas. I guess it was about nine. What time did you kill him? Oh, it must have been 10.30 or so. I had to wait for him to get through playing cards. I had to wait for him to come home. Why are you doing this, Daddy? Why am I doing it? I said somebody's got to take care of the kids. Somebody's got to take care of you. I'm an old man. I ain't much use to anybody. All right. Come on, Miss Becker. You want to get dressed now? She ain't the one. I did it. I killed Charlie Stahl. I already confessed. Why don't you believe me? Why don't you arrest me now? I did it. I'm afraid not. You got the times a little mixed up. Stahl wasn't killed at 1030. No, he's just trying to help me, but he doesn't have to. Him and me were both here all night. Neither one of us left. I was in bed and asleep at midnight. Why do you say that? What? Why do you think Stahl was killed around midnight? I didn't say that. He said that you were home and in bed by midnight, didn't you? Just a figure of speech. I think I've talked enough to you. I don't have to say anything more. I'm going to see a lawyer about it. You got no right. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one. Why'd you kill him, Mrs. Becker? You want to tell us? Get old, nobody believes you. How about it, Miss Becker? I'll get dressed. You did kill him then, huh? Yes, I did it. Wasn't because of the money, though. You gotta believe that. It wasn't because of the money. Ma'am. I loved him. Deep in my heart, I loved him. Always did. Even when we were kids. 
I thought he was going to marry me. Then he met Paula. He shouldn't have done it, Margaret. I loved him and he didn't want me. He wanted Paula. You know what that's like? What's that? Love somebody and them not want you? Begins to eat at you. Pretty soon you can't stand it anymore. That's why I did it. Not for the money, you understand? I just wanted him. Yeah. Just him. That's all I wanted. Not his money. You believe that? I never wanted his money. I just wanted him. You believe that? Well, it really doesn't make any difference, does it? How do you mean? You didn't get either one. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 6th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, all of us on Dragnet are proud to be associated with Chesterfield because, believe me, Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. You just can't beat a cigarette that was good to begin with and keeps getting better all the time. But, of course, you can't find out how much you'll like them until you try them. So that's what we'd like you to do. Get a carton of Chesterfields, regular or king size. That's all it takes. I know you'll agree that Chesterfield is best for you. Margaret Alice Becker was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. She was sentenced to life imprisonment on the California Institute for Women, Corona, California. Further investigation proved that the suspect's father, John Samuel Woodbridge, was not implicated in the murder. He was not held. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Rodman, Helen Cleave, Ralph Moody. Script by... John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. 